0: You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the...
1: Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Live in the cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for the Houston game, you can gear up at Cardinals. You know what? You can also get Gambling Gauchos merch at Cardinals. You can get, um, let's see, we well, can't get that hat yet. All right, you know what? We should get those hats on the market. Uh, RTDB, Rud the Dad Gumball. We'll talk about that today in the episode, but you can get uh, the black gambling gauchos hat. You can get the white gambling gauchos hat. You can get a quarter zip. You can get the red. It's all West Texas shirts, lots of options. I believe the black gambling gaucho shirts are also restocked. So go buy Cardinals, get you some gambling gauchos merch uh, and some Texas tech merch, even though they lost again, still riding with uh, the team. I guess. Uh, what else we have? Oh, well, with the uh, Republic of Texas football, you can go there online, mycardinalsports.com, or in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. How you doing, Collins?
0: I've seen some buzz about those quarter zips.
1: Waiting for the weather to change.
0: That's all we need.
1: I need a cool week. Nathan says nice hats, even though I'm not wearing one. He must think my forehead's nice. Nice hat, Kyle. That is a nice hat. I, We almost got uh, those hats in every Big 12 color this offseason.
2: We, decided- we could
0: still do that, maybe. Well, we've got new, uh, new teams now to get colors for. Because I oh, think we- that was before the, the yeah. four corners and all that.
1: That was with the current 14. Now we'll have to have it for the future 14. 16. 16. Oh, good grief. The pick'em segments in the non-conference next year are gonna be so brutal to get through. Sixteen games.
0: We might have to choose like a top ten for everything. Because I I was thinking that with like the uniform rankings. I did that this year. I was like, you know what, we're just gonna do top ten because fourteen is too many, even though we leave Texas and OU off every week. But sixteen teams that aren't Texas and OU, it's like too much for a full list of everybody's T V ratings, everybody's spread, you know, all that.
1: Here's a great question to get us started. Uh, Is 111 on the table? Kyle, is 111 for Texas Tech on the table?
0: It's theoretically possible, but no, I'd I'd put it at a very low likelihood. Although I thought. (laughs) Broad alert. That was loud. Um, Although I thought 1 and 3 was like, you know, I could have seen 2 and 2 because you had two road games, you had a really tough home game. I didn't think two and two was really going to happen, but you could have probably sold me on it, that there's a 35%, 40% chance that you would start two and two. One and three was like, had you asked me before the season, I would have said, oh, there's a 5% chance that you start one and three. So, I mean, you're really bad on offense, and we I'm sure we'll have time to talk about some of that, but I don't think you'll go one and 11.
1: No, you still have uh Houston. And Baylor to play. I think those two are winnable, but BUIU and Kansas are going to be two tough games on the road. UCF, Kansas State will be two tough games at home. TCU, I think, will be a tough game. I'm, I'm pretty down, Kyle. I've had a down weekend.
0: I think a lot of people are there.
1: All right, you want to get into the game? Sure. Uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia finishes 20-13. to 13. We both thought it would be a low-scoring, ugly game, um, but it was even uglier than I imagined. And what's crazy is you scored first. Uh, West Virginia punt, Texas Tech punt, Then you had an interception basically in field goal range. Six plays, one first down later, you get a field goal. Um. thank goodness uh, Marquio threw a couple times or else this game would have been a lot different.
0: Yeah, and some of the preview discussions we had, I don't remember if it was on our podcast or one of the ones that we joined from some West Virginia content creators, but I, I said uh, that this was going to set up like the Wyoming game, just ugly. You want to get in a position where you have to make them throw and I don't know how many times Markiel threw, but you picked off two of them. He couldn't have thrown more than 15, 20 passes. I'm going to pull up the box score because we're going to have to reference it anyway.
1: He was 12 of 21.
0: Okay, so you picked off 10% of his passes. Um, That's brutal. Wish you could have done a lot more with, with those two turnovers. One of them was in the red zone, so you kind of directly saved points. And then the other one, you return into field goal range and go three and out but yeah it was it was this hideous ugly game just like wyoming both offenses looked like they sucked it was wyoming without the 17-0 start you were just kind of in this ugly weather impacted slog for 60 minutes and they scored one more time than you did and you were never able to to get through it um I think my score prediction was 27-24 West Virginia. It winds up being 20 to 13. But man, you just that's not a style of game that I think you want to play. I mean, you're a you're an offensive identity that is tempo, spread them out. It's a finesse game plan. And then when you're up in altitude or it's raining and you're just playing this ugly grind it out kind of game. You're not, you're clearly not built to win that style of game. You're 0-2 now. And I, I thought those two games mirrored each other really almost identically. Um, so clearly we're not good at that style of play.
1: And what's crazy is in Joey McGuire's opening press conference in which everything has come true except one statement, his offense, you know, hey, we're going to play defense here. Yeah, well, you're doing it. Um we're going to win. You won last year. You were the best record you've had since 2009 last year. I know you're 1 and 3 this year but that came true. Um mm-hmm. we're going to recruit. We're going to recruit West Texas. You've done those things. But you haven't played complimentary football. This is not complimentary football. Tempo all the time and going three and out all the time is not complimentary football. So the hire didn't make sense to me of, of Zach Kelly, And I I keep hearing how adaptable he is, but you've not adapted this year
2: at all.
0: No. Um, well, you did in the second half. Taj Brooks had 22 carries in the second half. Sure. And even that was playing an entire half of football, that style, which is great, was too little too late. He winds up with 25 carries and like, if you just glance at the box, are you okay? Yeah. They tried to run the ball. Kind of like you see 38 carries to 43 pass attempts. That should probably be flipped minimum. But when you have your bell cow, your number one running back carrying the ball three times in the first half, fewer times than your quarterback whose leg snapped in half before the end of the first quarter, that raises all kinds of red flags for me. How does your number one running back, who is just getting off a two-game stretch where he averaged something ridiculous like seven yards per carry how does he have fewer carries than a guy who didn't even play a full quarter and whose leg snapped in half that is such an indictment on the play calling the scheme the game plan going in it it is truly just mind-boggling and I have no explanation or justification for it. Usually, I can find an angle and say, you know what? Even if I disagreed with the call here or there, I could see what they were thinking. This is like kicking a field goal on second down level. Of, I just I'm at a loss. I, I have no idea what we're thinking.
1: There's a question here, Rob. If I gave you a blind jersey test with this team, feel exactly like a Matt Wells coached team. That felt like a Matt Wells game a little bit. I I still point to recruiting and I point to off the field stuff and I point to how many young players you have, not transfers, even though you do have a couple of transfers playing. I I just, you you do kind of feel like it's Yostara offense. Uh, I mean, it's a bad offense. Listen to this first half. Uh, Punt in three plays, three yards. Field goal in six plays because you got the ball in field goal territory. Punt in three plays. Punt in three plays, minus two yards. Punt and three plays, four yards. Four downs, four plays, four yards. And then end of half, two plays, 20 yards. Three yards and a half. Three points and a half. It's terrible. Somebody texted me, is this the worst half since dot, 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 since you got shut out against Oklahoma State? It was that level.
0: Yeah, and I uh, I mentioned this on the last podcast, how sick I am of, in my game notes, writing three and out, no handoffs. And I finally went back to tally that. But before I get there, those, those drives you just referenced, one, two, three, four of them were either three and outs or four and outs with no handoffs. I'm counting a four and out when you go for it on fourth down instead of punt.
1: Sure.
0: The two times that you handed the ball off, One of them was the only drive in the first half where you got a first down. I'm throwing out the end-of-half sequence. You go to Taj on first down. He gets five yards. That's what he does. Second and five, you throw to him in the flats, and that's how you earned your only first down of the first half. The second time you handed the ball off, you still go three and out, but the handoff gets you to second and six, and then you go incomplete pass on second and six, incomplete pass on third and six, and punt. Had you handed the ball off on second down, you're probably – at the very least in third and short where you can run it again or throw a higher percentage pass. I'm just, it, it sounds like an oversimplification run the damn ball. And it's this cliche. It's this meme. It, every way I've sliced this, that is what it all comes back to. So these three and outs, let me see if I can find it in these notes. Um, Okay. Against FBS competition, so I'm throwing out the Charlton game, Texas Tech has gone three and out or four and out ten times, so more than three times per game. On just three of those ten drives, Texas Tech has handed the ball off, period. On just two of those ten drives, Texas Tech has handed the ball off to Taj Brooks. There was one sequence, I guess, against Wyoming. You handed off to Cameron Valdez and still went three and out but he's not your number 1 running back. Uh, if you don't or if you do count the Tarleton State game and FCS opponent, it's 3 or sorry, 12, 3 and outs or 4 and outs and 4 of those drives involved a handoff. So just a quick glance to tell you if roughly you're not quite running the ball half the time, but if it's roughly a 50-50 split and way more than half of your 3 and outs involved not running the ball on any of the three plays or four plays when you go 4 and out. That should give you some kind of indication. It's – I think we're at the point in the season four games in, a third of the way through, you've got a pretty sizable sample size. You know, one or two games you can kind of say, well, maybe it was a weird game and the game sequence dictated that you do this or that. we're four games in and your best drives <clears throat> involve handing the ball off. Your worst drives involve just an absolute refusal to to do that. Here's the other one that I literally lost sleep over. I was tossing and turning at 2 a.m. thinking about this. Against West Virginia, you had 11 drives. Again, throwing out the uh, end-of-half sequence, 11 full possessions. On about half-and-half, six of those drives, Taj Brooks carried the ball either one time or not at all. And on those six drives, you averaged six-and-a-half yards per drive. So you're probably going three and out. You're doing absolutely nothing to flip the field position. You're not staying on the field to impact time of possession. On the other half of your possessions, when you handed the ball off to Taj twice or more, five drives, you averaged 50.4 yards per possession. You go nine times further down the field if you commit to handing him the ball twice. I, I just don't know how on any sequence, on any series of downs, he doesn't touch it twice. That's amazing. It's inexcusable.
1: That is amazing. And it's like, well, yeah, you can say that afterwards. No, we said it before.
0: We've been we saying it. Before. We've been saying it since the Baylor game last year. When you, when all three quarterbacks played, all three quarterbacks threw an interception. None of them completed more than half of their passes. And you go back and look, and both Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks are both averaging five yards per carry.
1: We said it so much, we made hats.
0: Yes, that's when the hats were made. And that's when you started to mask a lot of your deficiencies. Well, I guess it took you one more week because TCU kind of whipped you pretty good. But then you go on this four-game win streak, yes, using Tyler Shuck's legs, but also handing the ball off. And this season, it's, it's been the same story. Like, Taj Brooks, six carries for 66 yards against Oregon in a game where the quarterback turned the ball over four times.
1: Well, and even this year, in this game, West Virginia, this is something I wanted to talk about, after Tyler Shuck's injury, you're running Baron Morton, who did not look confident at all running, and you have a freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback, on the sideline that's the next guy in. You you, you were reckless running the quarterback in this game.
0: Reckless. You, you just don't have to.
1: This was Cliff running Allen Bowman with a split uh, lungs, against Oklahoma. It was that level of reckless.
0: If you want to run the ball on third and two, hand it to Taj Brooks. Yes. Like, why are we overthinking this so bad?
1: And if it's fourth and inches and you want to do a sneak, do a sneak. But third and two, run Taj Brooks. I hate it, dude. And I understand he can't take every single handoff. Do you not have another running back? Cameron Valdez had one attempt.
0: I mean, Bryson Dinell looked good to me. Last year when he got some run against Charlton, this year when he got some run, he looks like the same kind of runner as Taj Brooks, just like north-south, hard to bring down, gets, gets some yardage. I, and that's also where it would help splitting up Taj's carries first half or second half. Like I know that it's – we went to the well 22 times in the second half with Taj, and that's a lot. Yeah. And actually I want to talk about that more later. But imagine if he had 15 in the first half, 15 in the second half. he's probably fine. Yeah, And 30 carries is a lot, but if you split it that way, it's a lot more manageable.
1: And your offense is a lot more consistent.
0: We got a comment. So Tech had one first down at halftime. I think you had two because of that last possession where you were, the clock was down, you weren't going to move the ball, and you got kind of a cheap first down while they're in prevent defense. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you had one, like, real first down in the first half. You were – I think you started one for – I don't even know something stupid one for 12 on third down conversions.
1: And you didn't even need that first down. Really. You would have just kicked the field goal anyways. Yeah, probably so. I mean, maybe you needed four more yards, but.
0: Um, so I may have miscounted the drives because now in my notes, I have that they had 12 drives, excluding the end of the half earlier. I thought it was 11, but either way, This is another thing worth noting. And again, this is all the West Virginia game. 12 drives. Um, This can't be right. You
1: had 12 drives in the West Virginia game, yes.
0: This, shoot, this is right. I thought I made a typo. I I think this is correct. I'll double check it. 12 drives. Guess how many lasted longer than two minutes and four seconds?
1: Ooh. um, You had the one long one at the end of the game. Um, four of them.
0: I'm double-checking because I, in my notes I have that it was two. Sheesh. So I'll, I'll just read through it since I'm looking at it. Um, these are in chronological order. A minute 27, a minute 54, a minute 30, a minute 28, 46 seconds, 53 seconds, end of half was 14 seconds start the second half 2 minutes 4 seconds 1 minute 50 seconds 1 minute 41 seconds
1: and then the final three drives were over to 204 we went fast haley says
0: sorry okay i'm back um i don't know where that cut out But start of the second half, two minutes, four seconds, a minute, 50 seconds, a minute, 41 seconds, four minutes, 42 seconds. That's your first one that went longer than 204, two minutes, 40 seconds, three minutes, 26 seconds. You had three drives that lasted longer than that was a typo, three drives that lasted longer than two minutes and four seconds. And several here went for less than two minutes. Or a minute and a half or less. So your six drives in the first half. Uh one, two, three, four, five, five of them went for a minute and a half or shorter. And I'm not a big time of possession guy. I don't think that just because you possess the ball for 33 minutes means that you're gonna win the ball game. But when you go tempo, 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 and it doesn't offer you any apparent advantage and you're playing a team that wants to milk the clock and your defense is tired and they wind up playing for 35 minutes of the 60, that's a bad strategy. And it's like, I know that I guess tempo is our only offensive identity, but it doesn't work. Not only does it not work, it probably backfires and is actually to your detriment to go tempo. And I don't know why we can't adjust our fight style a little bit to say, okay, we're not going to go for the knockout punch in round one um or like if it's a ufc we're gonna grapple and wrestle on the ground a little bit wear you down tire you out and then we'll choke you out at the end of it it's just no patience it's like okay first and 10 throw the ball if it's complete tempo 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 we had a a sequence it was third and 20 we were backed up because of a penalty we had a 15 yard kind of hole shot to uh mason tharp on the sideline good throw and catch fourth and five we make the decision quick we're going forward tempo 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 up to the line Must not be a good look because everybody's covered and Morton just has to kind of like throw it into traffic incomplete. Why why do we have to do that? We don't. There's 32 seconds on the game clock. It's the – Yeah. Like, I just don't get it. It, it, Other than going tempo for the sake of going tempo because we want to go fast and that's what we do. But that's just like a circular argument. We go tempo because we go tempo. But for no like actual quantifiable – advantage that anybody can define for me
1: there was a time when tempo was used as a tool in spots right if it's a change of pace it throws off the other team but if you're going tempo the whole time they've prepared for it they've prepared to get in position and go base defense against you like there's nothing you can do in tempo that that confuses anyone anymore no and if you go tempo with Taj Brooks and he runs seven yards and then he runs three yards and you try to run him three times in a row, he's gonna get stuffed. You can't go tempo when you're trying to run the ball. You could do, you could run the ball with Taj Brooks six times in a drive if you're running the clock. Right? But you can't do that with him. You're gonna you're gonna gas him out like you did in the second half. Like run another running back on there if you wanna go if you wanna run six times in a row.
0: Or West Virginia had a possession. I think it was a 13-play drive. They ran the ball 12 times.
1: In the first half, yeah.
0: And we've just got this, like, self-imposed ban. It it would never cross our mind to just not throw the ball on the drive. Even if, like, first and 10 on your own 25 after a touchback, we get eight yards, it would never cross our mind to just run it on second and two. And if you get a first to run it again and just run it till they stop you, it would never happen.
1: And it's not like a deep shot on second and two, which I love. It's a throw to the sideline that loses three.
0: And that we tempoed into, and then we tempo out of that on third and three into quarterback power, and we just tempoed ourselves into a 26-second three and out for the yeah. fourth time. Yeah. It's it's maddening. Like I, I could not draw up an offense that I personally hate to watch more than this. And I know that it's not your identity at Texas Tech, that we've been air raid for 20 years and all this stuff, but it's just like the game evolves. And when air raid was new and leech was innovative, you had a good offense. That's what made the air raid cool. It wasn't just going air raid for the sake of air raid. And like, I I don't know, maybe there's some correlation between the fastest teams in the country tempo-wise and offensive success rate, yards per play, but I know we were the fastest team in the country last year, and we were 94th in yards per play. And so I don't, I'm not seeing the benefit.
1: Uh, Bryce says Morton was possibly hurt or wincing in pain the whole second half. I saw that live. He grabbed his shoulder after a quarterback run, and then they went and run a sneak on the next play.
0: Yeah, I think there's some, I think there's some concerns about the injury he sustained there on his throwing shoulder. Designed, Something to maybe keep an eye on.
1: On a designed run. Uh, let's see. We kind of blew through the first half. Do you want to go through a drive-by-drive, or we're just kind of talking about it in circles here? Uh, in the second half, let's just focus on Texas Tech. Punt, turnover on downs, eight plays. Punt, uh, your first three drives. And then I believe, yeah, into the second or into the third quarter, into the fourth, you have a 13-play 79-yard drive, your best drive of the day, a touchdown full of Taj Brooks, and then Baron Morton pass to Duran Bradley. Your one good drive of the game. Full of Taj Brooks.
0: Imagine that. And by the way, there's a reason why I'm so nitpicky about why I say handing the ball off instead of just running it. Because Kitley could sit here and say, well, I run it all the time with, with Shuck. And Morton, I think, finished with like 11 carries. Some of those were sacks. It's like, they're not running backs. And Taj Brooks is a really good running back. And I'm, I'm fine to use the quarterback's feet as kind of like a complimentary piece in the offense. But I just – if you look at the success rate, if you look at the yards per carry, it's not remotely comparable. The quarterback run game versus just doing the most simple thing there is to do in football on the offensive side of the ball, and that's hand the ball off to the running back. And it's like it's the most obvious thing. Everybody's got it figured out except the guy calling the plays, and it is so freaking frustrating to watch. And I don't know how – like, there's no way you can slice it. Like, doing that breakdown of three and outs when you don't hand the ball off or um, the drives when he gets two or more carries versus when he gets zero or one. It, uh, I guess people can grasp at straws because I posted that and somebody said it was, uh, it was correlation but not causation. It's like, well, it, it's a pretty good guess. When you go nine times further – by handing the ball off and all your worst drives involve not handing the ball off. Yeah. Like, okay. You, you really want to roll the dice with those two things probably aren't related. Or do you want to keep handing the ball off and, and see what happens?
1: Oh man. Uh, so we're just two uh, sexy jokers doing a podcast. Um, but a one in three start is pretty damning in my opinion. You could say that the Wyoming game was a fluke. You could say that Oregon was ranked 15th and just better than you. What can you say about West Virginia? You, you can't say anything, but you just got beat. And they were tougher and more competitive and harder working than you. Um, is there a game yet where you've seen the brand, even against Tarleton, that we talked about all offseason? Can you think of a moment in a game where you just looked tough? I mean, Defensively.
0: I, yeah, that, that was the example I was going to think of. I think you stopped Oregon on a fourth and one when the game was very much in the balance. And
1: yeah, that was a tough
0: one. I think the defense really competed that game. I, I guess let's talk defense for a little bit um, before we pivot. Cause I, I'm obviously fixated on the offense before we talk defense we should go on the offensive at Rehino Barbecue this weekend. I'm going to be in Lubbock, and I'm going to be in Olton to chow down on the best barbecue in West Texas. We will be offended if you don't go to Rehino Barbecue this weekend. Marketplace is open seven days a week. Brick and mortar open five days a week. The ribs are good. The turkey is good. The brisket is good. It's like running the ball. You, you can't miss while you're at Rehino Barbecue. Give them a follow-on social at Rehino BBQ. Order ahead online, rohinobbq.com. The lines are long because everybody loves their barbecue, so order ahead to make sure your food is there when you arrive. The defense, I have pretty much no gripes with. I told my wife I could I could sit here and nitpick, and I could show you a play or a series where they didn't play a perfect game, but nobody ever plays a perfect game. To me, the defense within this game and all season is like a B+. Plus. And the defense has been good enough to be 4-0, and Really, the main thing is the penalties in the least opportune spots and the lack of quarterback contain. And those two things were issues against Wyoming. I think it's why you lost that game. Like, Wyoming's offense did nothing to you all night. It was when you shoved them out of bounds late, lost contain on Peasley. That's the only time they moved the ball. Oregon, a little bit different story. Nix was good. He kind of carved you up. But same deal against West Virginia. Like, if Markiel doesn't hit some of those QB draws – and you don't commit a couple, uh, I say a couple, four penalties on third down that would have been a change of possession or at least force them to punt, and instead you extend their drive, you probably win that game. I'm still not putting it at the feet of the defense because the offense is so miserable. But like beyond that, uh, 20 points in regulation on the road against Wyoming, 20 points in regulation on the road against West Virginia is good enough for even an offense that's not quite mediocre to win the game like you should be able to score 21 or 23 points in regulation
1: yeah and we we both picked no like if you would have given your 24 offensive points that you picked for texas tech to score in morgantown you would have won the game like that should be enough 20 points on the road should be enough in the big 12 20 points had you not
0: just literally wasted the entire first half you you probably would have like, hand the ball off to Taj twice per possession in the first half. He's not he's not going to be gassed. Like, he'll have – let's say you had he had just two carries every possession in the first half. He would finish with 12 carries. Perfectly fresh for the second half. Yeah. And you probably have more than three points on the board. And are probably forcing West Virginia to play from behind a little bit, put the ball back in Marquette's hands, and not just be able to run clock like you've been so good defending the run against CJ Donaldson, I think at 3 yards per carry, Oregon's running backs at 3 yards per carry, Wyoming's running backs at 3 yards per carry. You're a good run defense against a traditional run game. It's all quarterback scrambles, quarterback draw that and usually on third down, third and long that extends drives and penalties. Like that's my only gripe with the defense through 3 games against FBS competition. And again, that's nitpicky. Compared to an offense that does absolutely nothing to help them out in terms of field possession, uh, field position, time of possession, momentum, anything. It's like they just get put in bad spot after bad spot, and they still do enough to win the game. So I, there's individual guys. Malik Dunlap, if the referees have their heads screwed on right against Oregon, he has four picks through four games. Um, Deidre and Taylor Demerson is flying around. I don't think he's been out of position really. That I can remember Ben Roberts, registered freshman thrust into the starting linebacker spot. He's done great. Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford, they were up against an all-American center and Zach Frazier played a good game, but it all amounted to three yards per carry except when Mark was running. And so, yeah, again, we can nitpick the pass rush. We can nitpick the quarterback contain, but they're doing enough to win games, period.
1: A uh, question on Steve Linton is he in second string. Now I noticed the data played a lot. So I would assume uh, a data is has passed him up.
0: I think potentially, I think a lot of that had to do with knowing that West Virginia wasn't going to throw the ball. And so why put a guy out there whose primary skill set is rushing the passer when you know, they're not going to do that. And when they do do it, it's not going to be a deep drop back where you'd have a, a chance to sack them anyway. Um. Noted that as well. Same as the Wyoming game. You went with kind of that 5-2 front where the star position wasn't on the field. You did that early a couple times. And yeah. I say, I call it 5-2 because our outside linebackers are basically just stand up ends, but yeah. um, maybe you'd call it a 3-4 with the outside backers walking down. But anyway, so yeah, maybe that was just a matchup deal knowing that West Virginia wasn't going to throw it, um, but something to monitor going forward for sure.
1: Uh, Dingle has looked really good in his minimal snaps. I think so. He's really fast. Uh, Jay Boog gets double on every play. Yeah, he should. And he still makes plays. He's really good. Malik Dunlap for Jim Thorpe award. Oh, we have a, uh, don't let me forget. We have a big 12 hotline to listen to.
0: Okay. Man. Um, one of those comments reminded me of something. One and three start is obviously not what anybody envisioned. And obviously, Joey McGuire is the leader of this program. But among the players, who is the vocal leader in the huddle on the sidelines on the field through four games?
1: Offensively, I have no idea.
0: Offensively or defensively? Who is it?
1: Defensively, I feel like Rabbit, maybe. But I, but I don't know. He, he doesn't really seem too vocal on the field yelling at yelling at everybody getting their positions he was walking down and putting ben roberts in position against oregon
0: who showed you let's stick to west virginia and let's stick to the defensive side of the ball who on the defensive side of the ball showed you the most spark fire fight energy whatever you want to call it
1: do you have a a name in mind because i i would still say rabbit he was all over the field
0: i saw one instance of any of those things that i just mentioned In a game that you were essentially losing start to finish. And it was a true freshman, Michael Dingle, made a huge hit on their tight end. And he got up, talked some shit to the West Virginia sidelines. I loved it. I saw that. He was the only guy I saw that was like fired up to be playing a football game.
1: Gotcha. I I see what you're saying now. Yeah.
0: And that to me is, is another indictment, just like on the, you know, culture is a word that gets thrown around a lot in college football. And what's this program's culture like? To me, we have a culture of guys that, when shit gets tough in Laramie or Oregon or in West Virginia, I'm, lo- I'm like looking for anybody to be the guy to get in somebody else's face, to be a spark on a key third down, something. And there's a little bit of it on defense. I, I think you're right. It's probably rabid, and you've got some veterans on the defensive line. But for a true freshman middle linebacker who's pretty much out there just to spell some guys, like he's not playing a lot of snaps, for him to show the most fight and energy – of anybody on that side of the ball is like really damning. Then offensively, I don't even have a true freshman or anybody to – I didn't see jack shit in no. that respect from the offense.
1: No juice. No juice.
0: Zero. Nada.
1: Not even Baron Morton yelling at a receiver.
0: And that's I'll, – I'll, I'll save the rest for my final thoughts, but like remind me of that when I, when I space on my final thoughts at the end. But it's like, guys, you're, you're out of the gates here through the non-con disappointing and you've got a chance to kind of get right here clean slate during conference play and you're losing to the team that was picked to finish last and it doesn't look like anybody really gives a shit and I know they do because I know they put in a lot of work and I know that these losses hurt the staff the coaches the players everybody but show me that before the clock hits all zeros that somebody wants to make a difference and inspire the rest of their team to maybe make a change when we're losing and I don't see anybody that is kind of taking the mantle there and trying to be that spark. And before Chuck got hurt, I would have said it has to be him. Like he's the fifth-year, sixth-year quarterback, whatever. A lot of that responsibility just comes with playing the quarterback position. He's a guy who's been there before. He's been in college a long time. He should have the maturity, the experience. And maybe he's just not that kind of leader. Some guys are kind of quiet, do it by example. But I don't see it from a running back a receiver, an offensive lineman. And I know Joey's a big energy guy. He's He's an inspirational personality but he can't do it all the time. Like it needs to come from the players at some point.
1: Paul says need more tires and pump jacks. That gets it done. The tire is a little bit worn out. I think.
0: I think any gimmick yeah. when you're one and three is, yeah. it can be done.
1: Uh, I need to get back to basics. Uh, everything is rainbows and positives from Joey. Even in his press conferences, he's talking about how proud he was. Yeah, Joey needs to get real. Not like, get real, man. Like, he needs to – there needs to be some fire and brimstone in the locker room. Now, I, I don't think it needs to be public, but they need to look at a hard, some hard truths uh, in the locker room. You lost to a team that's worse than you. You should have beat West Virginia. You're better than Wyoming. You're better than West Virginia. Um, you, should be, you should be three and one. And you need to look at that and say, we're we're juiceless. We don't have the right offense of scheme for our team. And we need to get back to basics. They really do. And they need to slow down. Yeah. you have anything else from the game before we move on?
0: Oh, yeah. Lots more. All right, let's do it. Uh, I I asked you after one game, I'll ask you now that we're a third of the way through the season. What is our offensive identity?
1: Uh, Zero identity. Tempo.
0: Name the best offense, NFL or college football, best offense without an identity that you've ever seen.
1: Well, I would say the Dallas Cowboys last year uh, with (laughs) Kellen Moore (laughs) because Kellen Moore didn't have an identity. But, I, yeah, I, I couldn't give you a real one.
0: Let's talk quarterbacks for a little bit because people like to talk quarterbacks. Um, Tyler Shuck barely got to play. I think, I think two drives. Maybe maybe the third was when he got hurt. Um, I've got it in my notes somewhere. It, it was his third third possession. Um, since we were going tempo, did not see. I don't think the replay of. The uh, second down, when he injured his leg, was shown until after the third down. But I thought when he went down on second down, he looked like he was kind of slow to get up, and I was like, I think he just hurt himself. Yeah. And then seeing all the replays, which they, I think, only showed because they didn't realize how bad it was, uh, clearly breaks his leg. It was low enough. I was like, maybe it's his ankle.
1: Yeah, I I thought he dislocated his ankle, but it was nasty. I hate sports injuries like that
0: i do too i i i don't love that i saw it but it people on twitter were i'll get to that in a second somehow
1: shot pissed me off do what the screenshot from a tech fan pissed me off
0: oh i didn't see that but uh i was wondering how in the world he got off the ground and like put any weight on it
1: yeah
0: and then runs a play like tries to plant and throw a pass when they showed the real i was like he broke his leg for sure Oh, yeah. Um, and so, on that note, and by the way, what I'm getting to on all this is that Tyler Shuck is tough as hell, and I compliment him for that and admire him for that. You have these Twitter geniuses that were like, no, I think he just rolled his ankle on the first play, and then it broke. I was like, well, that'd be a hell of a coincidence, right, that he just happened to roll his ankle. It's like, I saw the replay. His leg was snapped in half. And then people are like, well, actually, the fibula isn't the weight sustaining, the load bearing. I was like, shut up. He broke his leg. And played another down football, and y'all are like trying to make it out like he's got a a bone bruise or something. And again, I saw the replay; his foot and ankle are not, you know, parallel with his leg. It snapped. I don't know how he got up, and I'm sure that it was like I saw this floated that maybe it was a hairline fracture at first, and then when he put weight on it, made it worse. It's possible, but um, I don't know how he got up. I would have been wailing like ripping off my helmet like oh my god the world is ending and i know adrenaline is a hell of a thing and maybe that's part of what allowed him to stand back up but uh man that sucked like the the shots of him on the cart and everything like i know that fans have opinions on quarterback play and a lot of people wanted morton i think you and i both wanted morton we did not want our quarterback to break his leg and for his college career to maybe even come to an end there. I uh, I don't know what his eligibility – he's got a strange eligibility thing because he redshirted at Oregon, played during the COVID season, and then twice now has been injured before the completion of the fourth game, which I think would make him eligible for at least one medical redshirt year. Uh, but, man, just – it reminded me of Bryce Ramirez last year. Uh, his probably wasn't as – severe of an injury, but still really bad. And no matter who you're watching, but especially a guy that plays for your team. Yeah. Um, ugly. Hated to see that.
1: Really disgusting.
0: <sighs> um. So, yeah, his day was short. And, of course, we wish him a, a speedy recovery. I, I would venture to guess that's probably the last we see of him in a, a tech uniform, which is also sad just given the circumstances. he Like I said, he may be able to get another year of eligibility. I, I don't know if it will be here or not. And, and for a guy that twice before this had his season either ended or missed a huge stretch of it due to other injuries, uh, just sucks. It's a lot of bad luck. Um, so Morton comes in. What did you think of Baron Morton's performance?
1: Uh, early – he looked completely out of sync, like he had no idea he was going to play today, which he didn't because it was an injury. Um, didn't look warm. Uh, in fact, if a if a backup quarterback comes in, what would you do in the first two? What would you do the first two drives? If, hand the ball off! I was going to say, if B.J.
0: Simmons himself was our quarterback this year, I would still want to hand the ball off. But especially when it's raining, when you've got a guy who didn't rep all week at practice. Cold and the run has been working for you run the ball. Um, but it, and it was like all sprint out stuff. I went back. Cause like, I tried to tried to make sense of how he could only complete 35% of his passes. Cause that is dreadful. And I was like, how many of these were drops or throwaways? It's like, we don't let him sit in the pocket until he's like, Oh, for four. And they were all sprint outs. So I don't get that either. Like doing nothing there to get him into a rhythm. Um, so my, by my estimation, and some of this is maybe subjective, 13 completions, 14, I would say bad passes, like either inaccurate, throwing it into coverage, the ball gets batted down at the line of scrimmage. Six drops, there were some toss-ups there, and I felt like if I was leaning drop on one play and then the next one was 50-50, I would say not a drop, so I hope that six drops is a fair estimate. And then three he threw out of bounds. Yeah,
1: there were a lot of drops. Ah! Out of bounds is
0: generous. <laughs> what do you mean? He
1: threw him close to the side. Oh, ball. yeah, that
0: one. It looked like he was trying to throw it to the West Virginia defender, tie rope in the sideline. Yeah. Um, but this, that was my part of my beef with Shuck, and I, I saw this take and I disagreed with it, that like Morton's bad plays were really bad, and I'm like his worst plays were incomplete passes. And Shuck's worst plays were pick sixes and red zone turnovers. So I, I disagree with that entirely. He's, he's still a pretty young and experienced guy, so if he does start the next eight games, I'm sure he will have some bad some bad plays, bad passes. Um, I don't know if the weather played a factor. I'm sure it did. The ball was slippery, and I think the entire fourth quarter he was playing with a right shoulder injury, Yeah, and that could have also been responsible. So I, I know he's a better passer than 35%. You saw it in flashes, and he needs to be more consistent. We need to complete way more than 35%. But he made some throws that were also absolute dimes, and you're like, yeah, you know, this if the consistency is there, this could work.
1: Yeah. Uh, Daniel says, in all fairness, you just watched QB1 get his leg broken. Anyone would have nervous energy running through them. Sure. But you could settle him down if you went out there and just ran the ball a couple of times.
0: That's what I would love to see. And, Uh, And if
1: you go three and out from running the ball, you've been going three and out anyways. What's the difference?
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I want to see what he looks like with a week as quarterback one, a week of taking starters, reps and practice, and hopefully an adapted offensive philosophy that doesn't ask him, hey, you're about to make your what, fourth career start. Uh, we're going to throw the ball 55 times with you, even when it's not there. I would like to see them obviously open things up by running the ball and helping the young, inexperienced yeah. quarterback be successful. Like I, I would love to see we're not going to do this. I would love to see a 180 on tempo and for us to bleed the play clock down to five every time and run the ball 40 times and pass it 25. Would love that.
1: Can we get in the trust tree for just a second? Yeah. We're playing Houston next, yes? Yeah. I'm Terrified. <laughs> this is Dana's Super Bowl. This is Donovan's Super Bowl. They're going to be in Lubbock for the second year in a row, which I know they hate. This is going to be a tough, tough game.
0: And uh, we know Donovan Smith can throw touchdown passes to Cougars in the Jones. Yes, he can. That was a cheap shot, especially at one and three. I don't <laughs> know why we're talking any noise to anybody. But, uh... We? we. <laughs> yeah, <me. respect. laughs> no, you're right, though. Like, And, hey, Vegas always knows more than, than we do. But um, Tech opens, I saw anywhere from seven to ten-point favorites. Crazy. And, and the Tech fan reaction is, what the hell, you know, bet Houston – so we'll see. But, yeah, they're going to want this one pretty bad. And you haven't earned anything on the field yet for me to think that you're good or that you should be favored by that much. So, yeah, that, I mean, this would be an absolutely brutal loss to go to one and four against a quarterback that, you know, I don't want to say you processed, but right, it would be bad. It would be really, really bad. A Big 12 newcomer looking for their first conference win. Yeah. I mean. That would be like a backbreaking, soul crushing.
1: Now, I think you can beat them, but I am nervous.
0: It's not going to be pretty.
1: Maybe I won't be nervous by Wednesday, but I'm nervous today. Yeah. Of course, I just had every single one of my teams lose this weekend, so I'm pretty broken as a sports fan.
0: Hey, the Rangers swept the Mariners.
1: Oh, that's true. I'm a baseball fan still. That's, that's true. I had already flipped to football season, but now I'm, I'm a baseball fan again.
0: What I would also love to see is zero, and I mean zero. I'll put an asterisk next to this. Zero designed quarterback runs, unless it's fourth and one or less, and we're doing a quarterback sneak under center and pushing him forward. Besides that, zero designed quarterback runs.
1: Uh, West Virginia didn't get their first quarterback sneak. They got stuffed. Uh, how
0: How does the offensive line not move an inch? That was on, awesome. a, on a quarterback sneak, and oh, yet no. you give them a yard.
1: Yeah. That, they got absolutely stuffed. Tech got hosed on that spot. Um, also, if you're not doing the Jalen Hurts, two people in the backfield pushing the quarterback, um, quarterback sneak nowadays, what are you doing? That is the only way you should be doing a quarterback sneak. Lubbock High puts an offensive lineman at quarterback and two offensive linemen behind him. And do a quarterback sneak that way. Now you can't do that at the collegiate level, probably, because they're all taped up and you don't want them taking snaps. But I mean
0: Yeah, I don't want any, I don't want anybody besides the quarterback taking snaps, but can we put 255 pound Henry Teeter back there to push the quarterback forward? Yeah. What is Tosh? 230?
1: Yeah. Push him. Put Ty Buchanan back there. Give him a good sandwich. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. Let let uh let Jalen Hutchings take the snap. I don't know. Honestly, what a former quarterback on the on the roster that can take a snap and put it forward?
0: What I would love to see, and I would not complain about this at all. I would give them a standing ovation if we ran the ball three times in a row, starting on first and ten. And even if we didn't get it, if they stuff us and it's fourth and five and we have to punt, I would be the happiest man. On, on the this. first drive? Any drive.
1: Oh. I want to see it on the first drive.
0: <laughs> Any drive. I, I don't think we're capable of doing that, of calling that. I think we could do it if we called it. But just like, what's the doubt? Like I'm looking at these drive summaries and it's like incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. You pointed the ball and ran 12 seconds off the clock. But I mean, taking a knee is better than that. Why not hand the ball to a running back who's really good and see if he can get 10 yards and three carries. Spoiler alert, he he can. He does it all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, he's tired. Okay, well, let's go going tempo. Give him 30 seconds to breathe in between plays. And he could probably run another six yards.
1: Yeah. Give Give him a second. But no, we have to go as fast as humanly possible up to the next snap. We want to go fast. That that Joey McGuire, um, impersonation video is going to haunt me.
0: It's aging poorly. Yeah. I want to like demand answers and be like, why go fast? Yeah. Because you, th- it honestly, I could give them an out. They said, well, we thought it was going to give us an edge. Okay. Well, four games in, it's not giving you an edge. So are you going to now go away from it? Like, tell me why we're going fast. I mean, I think I know why. It's like Kitley came up in the cliff tree, and that's like all he knows. It's all he does. But I just I would much rather be efficient than fast. I'd rather have nine possessions with no three and outs and winning time of possession than twelve and just punting it as fast as we can. Right. I'm looking for any spot on the rewatches where it's like, hey, we hurried to the line and they weren't set yet and we gashed them because of it. It it never happens.
1: No. I hell, get in the huddle. Let's do it let's go that slow
0: or if you were a really good offense and you thought okay we want to maximize the total number of plays that we run and if we can run 15 more plays than them as good as our offense is that gives us an advantage but when you're a bad offense and you are a bad offense on a per drive per play so i tell people not to look at total yards say, oh we 400 yards you ran 92 plays like you you suck we're not a good offense. And so we should be trying, honestly, we should be trying to run as little as possible. Yeah. Your advantage at that point is in shortening the game, having the most efficient drives possible, not putting the offense out there for as many possessions as possible. It's completely backwards.
1: And by the letter of the law, there, putting your defense out for less possessions.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how these other teams are trying to beat you is by running the clock. And that's how Wyoming and West Virginia beat you. They, out to you for 60 minutes and you played right into it both times. Yeah. I've got a couple notes on that. Hang on. Let me find them. Okay. On, like, basically, you refuse to do what you're good at and you keep doing what you're bad at. Um, Jeez, a lot of messages in the Discord. So... Okay. Where did it go? Goodness gracious.
1: And the Discord's popping?
0: Yes, and I just had it and then Um, okay. This is depressing stuff. This is actually about the Texas Tech defense kind of Wyoming is 118th nationally out of 133 in yards per play, Wyoming's offense. And I consider that to be pretty much the best metric of is your offense good or not yards per play. West Virginia is 128th. You played two bottom 10% offenses in all of FBS, not just Power Five, and you lost to both of those teams. Yeah. Now they only scored 20 on you. Like it's not like you. It's not like those are bad offenses that scored a ton of points on you. But the fact that you couldn't outproduce them is depressing. Um, in terms of rush yards per attempt versus FBS competition, Taj Brooks, if he were his own team, would rank sixth nationally in yards per rush attempt. Now, that's that's a little bit misleading because, like, so Tennessee is up there, and the, I think he would be right on par with Tennessee, but Tennessee, that counts their quarterback runs, which is also sacks. And so not quite apples to apples, but you kind of see how good he is relative to some elite rushing offenses. Um, we rank 112th, Texas Tech's offense ranks 112th nationally in the share of our plays that are runs. So basically we run the ball less than all but 20 teams in all of college football. Wow. And if, and if that sounds bad enough, remember that Tyler Shuck had more carries than Taj for the Oregon game. And, like, we've had a lot of designed quarterback runs a lot of sacks. So in handoffs to running backs, I bet we're probably, I'm just guessing, 125th out of 133. And that is the only thing that you're good at on offense, by the way, is handing the ball off to the running back. Um, Let's see. We rank 44 spots higher in terms of the share of our offense that comes from rush yards. We're 78th nationally compared to the share of play calls that are runs, which we're 112th nationally. That's the one I just cited. So even though we run the ball less than anybody, we're almost middle of the pack in terms of how many rush yards we get out of our total offense. I was about to ma- ask the next question. It makes you wonder if we just ran the ball middle of the pack, like the share of our run plays or 50%, like is kind of the median in college football, what share of our offense would come from rush yards. We'd probably be, I don't know, top 30 in that it's, it's like, look, it's taking an assessment of your offense and saying, okay, we're really good at a, so we're going to do a less than everybody else in the country. We're really bad at B. So we're going to do B more than anybody else in the country. And while we're doing this entirely backwards offensive philosophy, we're going to do it as fast as we can and run it as many times run, run the offense as many times as possible within the game. So that we just like multiply how bad we are on a per play basis. It's if I was the opposing defense, the opposing defensive coordinator, I would want us to do exactly what we do right now. Yeah. I'd be like, I hope that they don't hand the ball off and that they run as many plays as they want. We will let them go tempo.
1: Yep. And we'll keep everything in front of us and cause they don't take vertical shots. You're
0: right. No, I'm not. (laughs) It's like, it'd be like this, Rob, you and I are good friends. We could be honest with each other. It's like if you and I were about to go to a a dinner party together and, and we carpool and before we walk in, we're sitting in your truck and you go, Hey Kyle, just friend to friend. Want to let you know, you're not that funny. You know, you're a nice guy. You've got some other great qualities, but you're not that funny. So don't go in there and try to, tell a bunch of jokes and i was like okay bet and i go in there and like every single person i'm like knock knock you'd be like dude you're going about this completely wrong that's what that's how we run our offense right now everything we're bad at we do it as many times as we can all game long everything we're good at unless we absolutely have to we just refuse to do it and it it makes me angry
1: uh we got a comment here what's discord how do i get to it discord is a an app it is like a giant group chat with different channels. You can get to it by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash gamblinggouchers. It is a Patreon perk. The Discord link. Now We're getting a lot of these comparisons to Matt Wells and David Yost. No. no. Uh, can we squash that real quick?
0: Yes. Do you want um, to?
1: Maybe the David Yost stuff because the offense is that bad. But uh, – Joey McGuire is not Matt Wells. Joey McGuire has two of the best recruiting classes, one in three months, one in a year, and then one coming down the pike that are better than anything that anyone has done at Texas Tech recruiting-wise since one year of Tommy Tuberville and half those guys came to campus. This is unprecedented recruiting. You just got a, f- a five-star wide receiver locked in. Um, well, Committed. Uh, Ellis Davis, a four-star offensive lineman who could be one of the best four-star offensive linemen you've ever had committed, is on Twitter talking down fans, saying, hey, guys, calm down. We're, we're on the way. Um, this is not a Matt Wells program trajectory. Now, is it Matt Wells' results? Sure, because you're one in three. But, but it's not Matt Wells' trajectory. Uh, you are on a good path.
0: Yeah, go ahead and rattle off for me the top three wins of the Matt Wells era, which was two and three quarters of a season.
1: How fast are we forgetting last year happened?
0: Yeah, I could give you Joey's top three wins in one season. Yeah. And they would – you could maybe say – no, they would be Matt Wells' three best wins.
1: What was Matt Wells' best win?
0: Oklahoma State in 2019.
1: Against Taylor Cornelius.
0: No, that was Spencer Sanders.
1: Oh, and at home. Yeah, that was Cliff. I
0: I think they were ranked, like, 20th or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Oklahoma State had, like, 30 turnovers in the first half and then nearly still came back on you. They didn't.
0: And, like, number two of the Matt Wells era is Houston in 2021, I guess. Baylor? He didn't. He didn't actually – oh, uh, during COVID we beat Baylor. Yeah. Uh, the 2-8 and eight Baylor team.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> so, no. And, yeah, like, go ahead and point me to Matt Wells' top 30, top 35 hey. recruiting classes.
1: Matt Wells beat West Virginia.
0: Yeah, he did <laughs> 3-0. 3-0. <laughs> that's what Joey should have told him at halftime. Like, Matt Wells is not walking through that door. Oh, man. All right, I've, I've got one more thing on the offense, and then I'll shut up. At least until my final thoughts. Something that I know fans are tired of hearing is well, we just, we didn't run the ball because we're, we're taking what the defense gives us. I've got three thoughts on that. Any, any one of these three is enough to never use that phrase again, in my opinion. The three combined, we, we need to, that needs to be done. To me, it's like this loser mentality of just admitting defeat before you even line up. Like, do you think that in 2014 when Arkansas came to the Jones and ran it down your throat for 10 yards per carry en route to a 35-point win that Brett Bielema was like, well, you know, we're going to line up, see see how the defense looks, and uh, we'll just take whatever they – no, he said, stack the box of they dudes. Do I don't care. We're going to line up and kick your ass. And they did. Uh, up and down the field all day long, I was there. I had the pleasure of watching it. I just don't think that that's – that's not like a okay, if you're gonna say that we're the toughest team in the country, I don't think you can also say, but we can't, we're not tough enough to impose our will offensively, and we're just gonna take what the defense gives us. That I can't square those two things. So rather than saying, let's take what the defense gives us, I would like to say, here's our offensive identity. We're gonna run it so well, you better hope and pray that you can stop it. And if you do start to stop it, we have a wrinkle that we can add and we're ready to counter as soon as that's the case. Now, I'm not talking about like, okay, they've got two high safeties, whatever, just throw it into triple coverage. But I am talking about, okay, if there's a six-man box and that means we're supposed to throw it to the sideline, maybe we should try running it against a six-man box because I think that's ultimately kind of what it means. Uh, Point number two, does it look like we're taking anything anyway on offense? Are you watching our offense going you know, hey, if they're gonna give us that 10 yards, we'll take it all day. No. We don't we don't take anything from anybody on offense.
1: You're not taking candy from a baby right now.
0: So okay, like we can we can approach it that way. We can try to take what they give us, but even that, what what they're allegedly quote unquote giving us, uh we're coming back empty-handed. So that to me would also make if I was the offensive coordinator, I would say okay, let's reassess the approach here because we thought we were about to take all this stuff that they were giving us and instead we scored 20 points of regulation against a group of five team and 13 points against the team that was picked to finish last in the conference. Point number three, if we're looking for a pass look from the defense, imagine how good it's going to look once we run the ball down their throws for six yards per carry and they start stacking the box. Yeah, like you, you want a pass look? Run the ball first, make them defend that, and then see what they give you. Yes. But when they know you're about to go three and out, throwing three incomplete passes, like, you're not getting good pass looks, obviously.
1: And which, which one of those first point bullets, A or B, sounds more like what Joey said in his press conference? the we're going to pass it all the time and take what the offense, the defense gives us, or we're going to dictate what, whatever the hell we want to do. What sounds more yeah, like the, the latter. It, it, dec- com-
0: it was complimentary football. It was, we're going to run the offense that best helps the team and the defense. And we're going to make all pieces work together to win football games. The goal was never, we're going to be the fastest team in the country tempo wise or, We're going to lead the country in yards or we're going to uphold the Mike Leach air raid legacy. It was complimentary winning football. And if that means you're one of the slowest teams in the country, tempo wise, and you run it two thirds of the time, I don't care.
1: We're going to go. slow.
0: Do you think West Virginia sitting at three and one with a win over Pitt and a win over tech playing the game, the exact opposite way that you play the game. Do you think their fans are like, well, I wish we would have run more plays. I don't think so.
1: Who do you think could do what West Virginia is doing better? We could. Yes.
0: And, like, that sounds crazy because their offensive line is really good. C.J. Donaldson's a good running back. But but their whole thing is, like, they don't have the quarterback play to ever add the second element or the additional wrinkle. They can only run it. And you held their running backs to three yards per carry, despite that being their identity and that being what they want to do. Still, they may – enough time of possession gains and made it ugly enough that they won. But it's like when they did have to go to Marquio, it was mostly bad. If Baron Morton is getting like one-on-one pass looks because we're running the ball really successfully on two-thirds of our plays, I think your offense would be at a whole other level than, than West Virginia. Amen. But we're going the exact opposite. We're saying, hey, you didn't practice all week with the ones, and I know the ball is wet. And even though we're averaging seven yards per carry with Taj, uh, we're about to go throw a sprint out three times in a row and put the defense back out there. So, I don't know. If I ever hear we take what the defense gives us, that's what Cliff said after we beat Central Arkansas by a touchdown. And you went four and eight that year, mostly because of the defense. But it's like I've just not really seen an elite offense – or an offense that imposes their will on another team go, yeah, we were just taking what they gave us. And again, I'm not talking about checking it down. Like I'm for that. If, if they take away, you know, your primary read is the post route downfield and you get seven yards on the check down. I'm I'm totally fine with that. I'm not fine with just refusing to run the ball when it's clearly successful for you because allegedly you're getting a pass look that you then go complete a third of your passes against. That's Agreed. actually another – that's another good way to look at it. On two-thirds of your pass plays, which I think between Chuck and Morton, you threw it 43 times. On two-thirds of your pass plays, you either got zero yards from an incompletion or let's call this a watch. You either got sacked or scrambled for a couple yards. But on two-thirds of your dropbacks, you got zero. Do you know how many times Taj Brooks in his 25 carries got zero or less?
1: Say that one more time.
0: Do you know how many times Taj Brooks carrying the ball got zero yards or less?
1: Uh, Twice.
0: I thought it was once. but
1: Could have been once. Yeah.
0: So two-thirds of the time you get zero or you get sacked, or maybe twice in 25 carries you get zero or less. Which one do you think we should go with more often?
1: Uh, The first one.
0: In a game where you don't need 45 points, you don't need to gash anybody, you just need to score 20 points in regulation.
1: And you get three plays to get ten yards. Most of the time, four with Joey.
0: Yeah, can we talk about that real quick and then be done with the offensive discussion? So I've seen, I've seen basically like two schools of thought on this. That on uh, once you get it to first down, well, let's back up. Third and two, fade route to Nehemiah Martinez. What are we doing? You've got at least two receivers on the roster that are six five. You've got two tight ends that are six six or taller.
1: And then J.J. Spartan came in the next play to block. He's the fourth tight end. What is he doing?
0: Yeah. And uh, you convert on the fourth and two. Okay, fine. Probably didn't have to make it that hard on yourself. You have all three timeouts left, I think 45 seconds. So you can run whatever you want. You've got plenty of time. Uh, even if you ran it on first, second, and third down, you call timeout, and then fourth down is for the game. you run running that with the clock stopped. Um, I saw people frustrated that we didn't run the ball with Taj on any of those four downs, and I get that. I think it's a bit of a domino effect. Once you don't run it on first or second, and it's third and ten or third and goal, you can't really run it. Uh, you, maybe you could on third, if you're saying we're just gonna get half of it and then we're gonna throw it on fourth if we have to. Um I saw that since he had twenty-two carries and multiple carries that drive, that he was probably tired. And that's where again, help me reconcile these two things we're the toughest team in the country. nobody can handle sixty minutes of us, and we can't run the ball right here because our running back is too tired after playing for fifty nine minutes
1: yeah I mean and don't you have another running back I'll just go back to that like it doesn't have to be Nehemiah Martinez is is Cameron Valdez in the doghouse is Bryson Donnell in the doghouse where they just don't get carries like, yes, run Taj out there to get four yards twice. Hey, it's third and two from the two, but instead you, you throw the ball four times and in a, yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm just like trying to picture this as one fluid thought. We're the toughest team in the country, but our running back, yeah, he's had 22 carries. I don't know if he can get another here. Yeah. Nobody can handle 60 minutes of us, but hey, 59 minutes in, our running back is kind of tired. Yeah. Hey, I'm sure he is tired. He just played a collegiate football game. I'm sure everybody's tired and banged up and hurt. Are, are we tougher than them or not? I was told that we were. We're not. We're and, and, uh, and even if he is tired, you have three timeouts. So call one and say, hey, Taj, take a breather for a minute and a half. We're going back to you here. And if he's tired after that one carry, burn another timeout and let him rest for another 90 seconds. It, like, you see what I'm – yeah. I don't buy that we can't run the ball there because he's tired.
1: And you left at least two timeouts in your pocket. Did you call any?
0: You called one with the clock stopped.
1: Yeah. Oh, after the third and two.
0: Yeah. I. Uh, so, the fourth down, it looks like either Morton's arm is hit or the pass is batted down at the line, so you don't even get to see how that would have turned out. Yeah. Um, Bradley's getting mugged, you know, not a high percentage throw. The one to York was your your shot to win the game. And I think if he just is able to, like, find his footing a little bit better, he can actually make a leap and grab. I don't think it was a bad throw because if you look at the replay, it barely gets past the fingertips of the linebacker.
1: He threw it where he had to throw it.
0: I think if he throws it any lower, it's uh, picked off or batted down at the very, at the very best. So I, I think he put that ball where it needed to be. I get – why we're mad we didn't run the ball. But, again, by third down, you probably have to throw it anyway. So that was a – to me, it's not a – that was a sequence that you can prove the brand right there. We ran it 22 times with our bell cow this half. Everybody in the stadium knows we're about to run it three more times to see if they can stop us, and we're going to do it anyway and win the game, or at least tie it up and go to overtime. And instead we said, ah, our running back might be tired. I don't know if he can handle one more minute and get all the way to 60 minutes. Either that, or we just thought it was a better idea to throw the ball, which I don't know what during the 59 minutes of that game prior or the three games prior would make them think that. But anyway, I I totally get the gripes with the uh, end of game sequence there.
1: I was just going to blow right past that. I didn't want to really go back to it, but that, uh, That's bad, man. That was a bad sequence. And to just get to overtime. That's all you had to do there was just get to overtime. And I bet you win that game. Maybe not with an injured quarterback and a tired running back, but yeah. And I, you know, I made the joke in the game that West Virginia was the toughest, most competitive, hardest working team on the field that day. And you're going to see that a lot. Uh, people were attacking Joey in the comments. It's like I, we don't need to do that, but it's yeah. just—you say it all offseason. You have to prove it, and you haven't proved it yet. And you—you you have to prove it against Houston. You have to out—you have to beat their ass. You have to go out there and beat—not on the scoreboard, but physically beat their ass, tough-wise. Family program. Go out and beat their butts. Out tough them for 60 minutes you have to at home to save the home crowds you have to beat Houston and physically impose your will you have to
0: and hey if carry number 23 24 25 is too much in one half for Taj Brooks maybe space him out and give him more than three in the first half
1: yeah that's probably a good idea
0: you know going back to the whole theme of the episode right there run the damn ball
1: all right, uh, Big Twelve Hotline time. Let's do it. Let's do this, and then we'll go fishing. All right, this is the Big Twelve Hotline.
2: Hey guys, couple of thoughts for the Big Twelve Hotline here. Uh, first off, uh, I think it's a great time to join the Texas Tech football bandwagon, uh, mainly because uh, it can't get any worse than this. So, similar to stocks, you know, it can only get better from here. By no come to buy. For those of the fans that are upset that have bought into Texas Tech football this season and bought into the hype, um, and are just outraged and disgusted by the results so far, I just encourage the Pink Raiders to get out. Um as drive to took some time after the game yesterday, I realized that this is Texas Tech football and you know you don't expect a orange orange tree to give you an apple. Um, I really think that Zach Kittley's on the hot seat. Uh, I've been thinking that Tyler Shuck was checking into quarterback power for the last three weeks, but it seems like it was probably just Zach Kittley based off of Morton getting the same plays. And then just a quick question for you guys. Um, Joey, seems to be pretty hot, post-game presser, about the officiating. Do you guys think we got job by the, uh, the officials, or do you think that this is just squarely on uh, Texas Tech football for not winning the game? Thanks for your time.
0: I'll answer the question. Yes, but do I think there were some big calls that were objectively wrong? Yes, but when you score 13 points against the 14th-picked team in the conference, I I just can't make myself crap about the refs.
1: Yeah. The refs certainly seemed one-sided toward West Virginia at times, but that's not why you lost the game. No. I mean, that spot on fourth down, the the last penalty against, uh, who was it? Baskerville. Baskerville, I thought was a little bit nitpicky. Um, but letter of the law, I mean, you can call that in the end zone.
0: Okay, but, but, but throw that one up side by side with the fourth and five target to Tharp, where the guy's giving him like a frontal piggyback ride. Oh, yeah. Like how was one of those things holding and the other is not. I, yeah, I'm not a rules expert, but and the the, the thing that was really like a, a absolute game altering play was the kickoff return where we stripped the ball. Yes. While the guy's standing up and like nobody saw it because of body position and everything. Clearly, like a full second before the whistle blows. Way before. And they, they didn't have a good enough camera angle on it, so they weren't going to overturn it because um, they on the field didn't realize it was a fumble. But, yeah, like you should have had the ball there at the 20, 25-yard line, which
1: – Right after the touchdown, huh?
0: It might have been after the field goal to make it 20 to 13.
1: I think it was. But still, pivotal point.
0: I, I As bad as you needed help, I would have taken a drive starting at the 20 or 25.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I've come to the conclusion Joey's offseason hype was just to sell tickets. That from the comment section. Joey is a fantastic salesman. That from the comment section. We'll get to that in the mailbag, I think. I think. Let's head to the Matador Transit mailbag. But first, if you are looking to fish this uh, football season or in the offseason – and you want to go wade fishing in legendary Baffin Bay, call Wreck'em Outdoors or go online, wreckemoutdoors.com. You can follow them on Instagram, Wreck'em Outdoors. They do guided fishing tours in Baffin Bay. Uh, you wade fish. It's not on a boat. You wade out into the water in the South Texas bays. Now everywhere is West Texas, but if you're on the Texas coast, call Wreck'em Outdoors to see what's biting trophy trout speckled trout flounder redfish you can catch them all there in legendary baffin bay follow them on instagram wreck them outdoors to see those fish picks they're my favorite kind of picks fish picks i love to see them all right let's get to the matador transit mailbag <laughs> You've got mail.
2: Melt-a. 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 Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at
1: once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail?
2: No. Why not, honey?
1: If Texas Tech soccer hosts a weekend playoff game when football is out of town or off, would Kyle make the dedicated trip to the John Walker soccer complex?
0: Absolutely. Um, I was – when I was a student at Tech, I was pretty into Tech soccer. Uh, They – getting to know the Gauchos. We haven't done a getting to know the Gauchos segment in a while, but I was um, an RA or a CA in the dorms. So I, I lived alone and got my room and board paid for by working on campus and just so happened the, uh, the freshmen that were on the soccer team in 2012. So actually Janine Becky in that class, they lived on the same floor where I was a, a CA. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go to some of y'all's games. And they were really good that year. She was of course um, individually stellar and she has an Olympic gold medal for team Canada. Yes, yeah, she does. So, so, yeah. And I think the, the soccer stadium is it's like perfect sized because it it basically fills up I think for like big 12 type games and especially when they're having a good year there where they're you know expected to go to the NCAA tournament and everything so yeah if they're if we're hosting a regional uh, yeah I'd be there
1: uh, start bench cut for when the sky falls down on you stand on a mountain bathe in the sea lay like this forever follow- up. Question for Rob over under Kyle knowing that song uh, under. Did you get the reference? I know the song. Oh, you're a, a Savage Garden guy?
0: I wouldn't say that, but I, I know the song.
1: <laughs> Used to be a big Savage Garden, yeah.
0: I think this was also mentioned in the mailbag, but I like the the Lads in the Pub remix better than oh, yeah. the original boy band version.
1: Do you remember uh, one of my greatest tweets of all time? the lads in the pub singing this song and it was people giving free stuff to Chris Beard.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, The best version of that meme that I remember seeing was, it was like kind of at the beginning of COVID when we knew stuff was going to shut down, but we weren't sure when it was going to open back up. Yeah. And it was like me and the lads, you know, getting our first beer when all this COVID stuff is over with. I was like, yeah,
1: that's, that's perfect. One One guy doing all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Uh, question for Rob over under tech beats West Virginia. Uh, that was before the game. Uh, I told him that that was going to be after the game that we answered that. So no under uh, this question. Have you seen enough? This is going to be a really negative mailbag, by the way.
0: I mean, I've certainly seen enough to know some stuff. I'm not, I'm not like, Hey, I've seen enough. So I'm out on tech football or, uh, you know, I'm out on this staff. I'm, I'm making the five-hour drive next weekend to be there to watch a one-and-three team. So nobody can accuse me of being fair weather.
1: I'll keep watching, so I guess I have not seen enough. Uh, start bench cut, Keaton Slovis. Is it Key Don?
0: I think Keaton. I think you had it right.
1: Keaton Slovis, Tyler Shuck, Jalen Daniels.
0: Um, in like Assuming they're fully healthy. I'm probably starting Jaden Daniels. I don't know much about Keaton Slovis, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I guess I'll bench Chuck because I I know what I'm getting and, and cut Slovis. But if a BYU fan wants to flame me, they they can.
1: I'm gonna just take this opportunity to say every question I read is is not um, endorsing this question. I'm just reading it, okay sure how warm is joey's seat after we lose the game this is before the loss to west Virginia.
0: his seat's not warm he just got a contract extension he's uh he's locked in i think he he might be faced with some tough decisions at the conclusion of the season but his job isn't in question
1: who is a better used car salesman bart rager or joey mcguire
0: I would guess Bart has sold more, but.
1: You would guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think Bart Rager would be the uh, better salesman there. You you know what actually
0: kind of pisses me off is our fans calling our coach a used car salesman when they loved the guy three weeks ago. Yeah. Like, okay, you might love the guy in three weeks. You bought the car, right? Like, you were at the Texas Bowl. You were down on the field after we beat Texas. Like, yeah, you you didn't enjoy that first season. And, like, I know that one and three isn't the start anybody wanted or expected, but to be like, oh, he's a fraud after, like, you got to enjoy multiple great memories of this football team last year is kind of – that's pretty wishy-washy to me. And I'm not singling out the person who asked that question. I've seen that car salesman comp a million times. And it,
1: oh, yeah. All, it's all over Twitter.
0: It's like, well, do you want him to not be a persuasive person? Like, we, we love the recruiting classes, don't we? But we'd, we're, we're pissed that he can sell people on a, on a vision. Really?
1: A vision that can still be attainable.
0: Yeah, like, we're not good this year. Yeah. But I, that doesn't mean to me that, like, he's the wrong guy for the job or that the program is in free fall. Like, I still – I'm not like the needle hasn't moved for me at all on Joey McGuire. I'm 100% all in yeah. on him being the CEO of this program.
1: I don't think I'm ever a hundred percent on anything, but uh, Joey's still in the nineties, at least it's a shame that I left uh KKM and, and retired the job approval polls though, because those would be very interesting. Those would I'd, be just throwing up on Tuesday for fun. <laughs> Uh, let's see over under Shuck applies for a medical waiver and returns next year.
0: I don't know. I think it's just down to like, has he had enough of college football? He's been playing it for a long time. And I I would assume that if Morton makes seven or eight starts down the stretch here, that, you know, there's not going to be any relinquishing of the job back to Shuck. So he'd have to go to a third school. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's like squarely up to him if he can get, you know, a waiver for eligibility.
1: Right. Uh, I would say no. Uh, how long does it take to build O-line depth? At least three years.
0: Yeah, that to me, that's not a position that young guys can come in and make an impact very often. It does happen sometimes. But, yeah, I would think, like, even the guys that – like, I think Joey's very first class in that transition year where he took over for Wills – I think those guys will start to be ready next year. Yeah. So another recruiting class would be like another year and so on. That does take time.
1: Is, Joe, is Joey Maguire still. <laughs> oh, man. Is Joey Maguire just Matt Wells 2.0, slightly better, but still kind of bad?
0: No. Yes. Yeah, show me Matt Wells' top three wins show me a bowl game that we qualify for under Matt Wells and show me Matt Wells' best recruiting class, and then try to make that comp with a straight face.
1: What about the road brings out the worst in Texas Tech?
0: I don't know. I um, This reminded me of another conversation we had before the season started about the one-score games, and some people were like, well, yeah, they won so many of those, they're due to regress. All three losses, one-score games. I think the difference though is not that like you find yourself in a tight game and you just can't find the clutch gene. It's that you were 17 point favorites or I'm sorry, 14 point favorites in Laramie and blew it. And you were six point favorites in Morgantown and blew it. Like, I don't think that it's the nature of being on the road or the nature of playing in a close game. You're just not living up to potential or expectations this year. Whereas last year you were punching above your weight. So last year, your road losses Oklahoma State's weird because they were, like, good when you played them and they wound up not being very good. It was, like, at Kansas State, the Big 12 champ, at NC State, a top 25 team, at Oklahoma State, top seven at the time, I think. Um, you win in Ames. Which ones am I missing here? Oh, you lose to TCU on the road, like the eventual national runner-up. So, I don't know, it wasn't like it wasn't like this where, okay, you're going on the road and losing to a group of five team or you're going on the road and losing to the last place team in the conference. So, I think that was a bit of an overdone narrative last year and coming into this year, but I don't – I don't know. I don't think – you might not be good at home this year either, so it, it still might not be a, a distinction that's worth differentiating on.
1: Yeah, you might just not be good.
0: Here's a comment. Running the ball on the road travels. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so does defense. And you, you've traveled twice – and you just haven't done it enough. Uh, Let's see. Will Texas Tech win four games this year? I think so. Four exactly or more than four?
0: I don't know. I'm I'm an optimist by nature, but two of your best opportunities are in the rearview mirror.
1: Uh, let's see. At what point do we start worrying about the 2024 commits losing faith in the staff? I think they proved this weekend that they are in it now. So, I don't know. One in seven?
0: I'll put it this way. I think the guy with by far the most options, Micah Hudson, if he's willing to commit after you lose to Wyoming, I think he can probably stomach some Big 12 road losses, and if He's on board. I think everybody else is probably on board.
1: Uh, Big Hen says, "Can you help me? I'm down bad." Do you have any positive notes for Big Hen?
0: Uh, the Cardinals won today.
1: Good. We didn't need to eat that hair. That one.
0: You ask the questions. I answer them.
1: That's the double edged sword there, Co. <laughs> um. Lots of commenting. Any chance we bring in an offensive analyst to help write the ship?
0: This is a great question. And I actually got off the phone with somebody right before we recorded here. And he brought up a good point. And this was actually kind of asked in a different version a couple episodes ago. Why isn't Kitley up in the box? And my answer at the time, I was kind of flippant and was like, well, some OCs are up in the box. Some are down on the field. I, I thought at the time it's just kind of like a preference deal. I don't know who Kitley's quote unquote eye in the sky is. So, like, even when Cliff was calling plays, you know, he wasn't the OC. Eric Morris or Kevin Johns was the offensive coordinator. But they were, I'm sure, even though they weren't calling plays or anything, they're feeding him information that they're getting a different vantage point, obviously. And I'm looking at like, so Kitley is not only the offensive coordinator and the play caller, uh, the head coach, Joey McGuire, is not a offense X's and O's guy. The running back's coach, Kenny Perry, splits time with the special teams. Kidley is also the quarterback's coach. I don't think the offensive line coach or the receiver's coach is in a position to help call plays or anything. I don't know who is Zach Kidley's quote-unquote eye in the sky. And even if he doesn't go up in the box and he doesn't relinquish play-calling duties, I don't know who he has working in tandem with him to say, hey, don't know what that looked like on the field, but the last couple – times we've run this formation they've been in this look we might try this or that and that is a real problem to me and so i forgot actually what even your original question was but i do think kitley needs like a co-offensive coordinator type role to be that up in the box getting a different perspective on everything
1: is it uh i think last year or at least the analytics guy maybe it's just the analytics guy but kirk bryant's name was he's the senior offensive analyst okay but I don't know if he's the, the guy that does that.
0: I, I don't know either. And I don't know if it's I don't know if Kitley would want to go up in the box if that's doable. I mean you'd have to have somebody else to send in the plays. But yeah. I, I think it's worth considering shaking that up at, at this point.
1: Uh considering how inexperienced Kitley is as an OC, this is year Houston Baptist, Houston Baptist, Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Texas Tech, year six?
0: Year five. He was only at Western Kentucky one year.
1: Okay. Year five is some good experience. Uh, so I wouldn't say extremely inexperienced, but considering an, an inexperienced Kitley, uh, how many years would you give him to figure it out? I think Kitley is what he is.
0: I don't think he has anything to figure out in terms of like, how do I call plays or. Yeah, he's, he's in year five on the job. He knows what he's doing. Um, now you can evaluate his performance you know, however you see fit and that's all fair game, but I don't think he's like something's going to click in between year five and year six where he goes, oh, now I... I, mean, I guess people are always learning and always growing, but I don't think there's any like magic leap to be made at this point. And we have got a comment on the last answer that Cochran is in the box. I know that we have offensive assistants up in the box. I'm wondering who the number two is that is the de facto co-offensive coordinator. Because, like, Cliff's offensive coordinators were not really the offensive coordinators. Cliff is calling the plays. He's sending them into the quarterback. He's probably doing the play design, the install. The offensive coordinator in that staff structure was essentially the second-in-command, the eye in the sky. That's what I'm wondering. Is like, who is – second in command on the offensive staff that is feeding kitley information from up in the box and maybe it is cochran but to me that's like or even yost i think yost was up in the box but matt wells was a former offensive coordinator himself and like you had a head coach that had been a play caller had done offensive x's and o's and i don't know how they worked in tandem but i i think we're like missing an offensive staff person that is like specific to that role so i would love to see a you know, If you don't change offensive coordinators in the offseason or something, I would love to see the addition of a co-offensive coordinator or a, a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator that maybe has a position group, maybe they don't, but they're kind of like that's their job is to feed Kittley information from the box.
1: Uh, hobbies to try until basketball season. What was the question? Hobbies to try until basketball season.
0: Um... There's always retail therapy at Cardinals. You could tour some barbecue joints in West Texas like Rehino. Or you could go fishing yeah. in uh, Legendary Bath and Bay.
1: You could hire a lawyer just for fun.
0: <laughs> Let's go do some legal stuff.
1: Uh, how, was Neil Brown just due? You tell me. It seemed to do. That was certainly Neil Brown's Super Bowl.
0: Like I said, right after the pit win, he was talking about Tech. There's a comment, Kyle, we're not changing OCs. They just gave Kittle a two-year extension. I didn't say we were changing offensive coordinators.
1: Uh, what, what will it take to make Brett Bielema our next offensive coordinator?
0: Whatever it oh. takes, bring him home.
1: Bring him home. What a departure that would be. Uh, what's a more likely outcome? Kitley's offense continues to be stagnant and tech loses games where he ends up getting fired or he adapts, gets on a hot streak and is hired as a head coach for a small program or OC for a giant one.
0: If the question is like at the end of this season, I don't think he's going to be hired as a head coach anywhere. So I would say that's less like, I don't think either scenario after this season is terribly likely. Um, Without making that extra leap, I, I do think that it's certainly within the realm of possibility that Joey says, like, hey, we're going to more or less like, give you a pitch count. We need to be more balanced. We're not going to disrupt you in the flow of the game. You need to call whatever you think is best. But like, we're going to look at it after every drive. And if there's an imbalance on run versus pass, we're going we're gonna to switch things up. We might switch up the tempo. I'm not saying that it is going to happen, but I think that is certainly worth exploring.
1: Uh, Who's bigger, Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey? Physically, Travis Kelsey. I, I don't, in the global respect, Taylor Swift. What do you think?
0: I think I could make a couple jokes. It would make some Taylor Swift fans mad. So I'll just we can go on to the next question.
1: Okay. Uh, can Rob say something nice about the Cardinals? Yeah, Joshua Dobbs is twice the quarterback that Kyler Murray is. <laughs> uh, what is Texas Tech's major malfunction?
0: What is Texas Tech's major malfunction?
1: Yes. It says what? What is the university's? What is TTU's major malfunction? But I think he's talking about the football team. Yeah, yeah. For the podcast audience, run the damn ball. Uh, with Taylor Swift now a Chiefs fan, <laughs> when do they become America's team?
0: Do you want a really like grumpy old man take? Yes. I apologize in advance. I don't want the Swifties coming after me. I refrain from some jokes, but this is a serious take. Taylor Swift dating the second best player on the Kansas city chiefs is exactly the kind of distraction they don't need that might prevent our boy Patty Mohammed from winning ring number three. Like, I'm sorry. It's just the facts. Every relationship, every relationship she gets in winds up being drama. There's an album about it. We don't need that in mid January when we're, like headed to the AFC divisional round. I need Travis Kelsey. I need his mind right for the playoffs. It's
1: early. It's we can get this playing out of the way. She's sitting with his mom already.
0: Well, but Pat was saying after the game, he was like, yeah, if they end up together, I might get to meet her. They haven't even met yet, but Mahomes and Kelsey are like best friends.
1: Yeah. Well, they're just hanging out. She's in her fun girl era, Kyle.
0: I don't like how this is going, Rob. I don't. I don't like the relationship dynamics here. When
1: either. Romo dated Carrie Underwood, the Cowboys were the one seed. <laughs> then he went on vacation and threw it all away. No, it wasn't Carrie Underwood. It was uh, Jessica Simpson.
0: Yeah, he went to like Cabo during the bye week. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, before the playoffs. Uh, have you ever pulled up to the scene with the ceiling missing? I have not. Me neither.
0: Is that a, is that a lyric, I guess?
1: It sounds like a lyric, yes. Sounds like a bar.
0: Is it Taylor Swift?
1: Uh, knowing the question asker, probably not. Could have been.
0: Showed up to the scene with the ceiling missing.
1: It sounds like a rap lyric.
0: Like we tore the roof off the place, kind of? Can you explain uh, that last comment to me or do I, or is that not?
1: Kyle is just jealous. No, I can't. Okay. It's two chains. Apparently. Uh, when are we going to be good at football? Next year. So good. I, I still, good at football. I still believe
0: I do too. I still think we're going to be really good at football. I think Joey's the right guy.
1: Uh, do we need to add a minimum points per game clause to Kitley's contract, a la Iowa?
0: Does Does Brian Ferentz have that in his contract?
1: Yeah, it's like 27 points per game or something.
0: That's not bad for Iowa. Yeah. I don't know. I would settle for a a share of rushing the ball.
1: All right, that was the mailbag. Um, final thoughts?
0: Boy, do I. Um, let me consult my notes.
1: Do you need know a reminder on what you were going to talk about? Because you told me to remind you.
0: Yeah, what, what did I mention earlier?
1: Talking about players having juice, Kyle. That's what you want me to ride, John.
0: Yes. So... Let me uh, expand on that. Just we touched on this a little bit right after the Wyoming loss, was so he had all this offseason hype, and game one fell on your face. At one and three, I think we know that that wasn't a fluke. I think we know there are some serious deficiencies up and down the roster on this team. Um, so that that's where you're at. Like I said at the top, I would have guessed you had about a five percent chance of starting one and three. It it doesn't appear to me as just a fan, an idiot with a podcast, a guy outside the four walls of the building, that even after the one and three start that it's really clicked with anybody within those four walls. Like just how embarrassing of a start this is. It seems like there's a total lack of self-awareness. And this was alluded to in the comments earlier. You touched on it. Joey is all positivity and all energy. And I love that. That's why when we hired him, every single person in the media that had ever talked to him, every assistant coach, um, opposing coach that he's competed against in his career, had nothing but glowing things to say about him. And I don't have anything bad to say about Joey right now either. But – A one in three team that was overhyped and was told a bunch of things that made them feel good all offseason and then has done nothing to prove it. They don't need more positivity and energy right now. They need, like you said, a dose of reality and some accountability. And this is walking the fine line like you never want to be negative, but you also want to give an accurate account of what's going on. And the reality is at one in three, there's a lot of negative things. And so it's not me trying to sit here and throw a pity party or complain about everything and every one, but reality is like kind of negative right now for the Texas tech program. And so I, I think that's a, uh, a fair shift in the culture shift in the messaging that we should want to see as fans is like the never ending positivity and encouragement You don't want to tear anybody down or, like, be destructive. But you also kind of need a reality check. And, like, we dog Texas and their program for this all the time, this sense of entitlement, unearned entitlement. That is kind of what this start has reminded me of. Like, you say these things that this is the best team you've ever coached. This team would beat the bowl team by two touchdowns. The defensive line unit will be better without Tyree Wilson. And then you start one and three with two losses to worse teams. It's like they don't need to go back to the locker room, regroup, regroup and be told, hey, tough loss, but we're still a really good football team. Like, no, they kind of need a kick in the rear end and to be told you've earned absolutely nothing. We have zero skins on the wall and it's almost October. We have zero accolades to our name. Y'all have a chance to earn something on Saturday by beating Houston. And like that's there's that old expression. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you dig out of a one and three hole based on starting the season with big 12 title game expectations? There's nowhere to go right now other than beating Houston. So that would be my message. And I put this on the Patreon final thoughts. 2009 when Texas tech beat Baylor, we get that famous iconic Mike Leach speech. Michael Crabtree caught those passes. Graham Harrell threw those passes. Y'all didn't do anything. Y'all haven't earned anything. What we did last season doesn't make a shit. That's what that team needed to hear because he was right. They had this, well, I was on last year's team. We won 11 games, and so we're just going to show up and beat Baylor. And Of course, he said, no, F that, F Baylor, F you, F me. I mean, F everybody. That wasn't a terribly positive message from Coach Leach, but it was the right one at the right time. And I think we need something similar to that. And I don't think Joe is the kind of guy to go in there and drop F-bombs on him like that. And the coaching staff, to be clear, they need to, with the, the players, take their own share of the accountability because it's not all on the players. They can say, like, hey, we game-planned poorly. We didn't get y'all ready to practice. We didn't call the right plays, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they, so they need to carry the message of accountability themselves, Tell the team in, like, a motivating way, hey, you've earned nothing, but you have eight more opportunities. They don't need positivity and energy right now. They need discipline, and they need accountability. This kind of came up, actually, almost the exact same timeline. I remember Cliff's second year. You barely beat Central Arkansas. I drove to El Paso and watched us barely beat UTEP, and there was a tweet, I think, from uh, Scott Fitzgerald. He was like, this team doesn't need swagger or, you know, good looks. It's like they need toughness, and that's kind of where I think we're at. And that might go against Joey's nature, and I get that might be hard on him, like to be the the disciplinarian and to have to motivate in a different way than what he's naturally so good at. But I think that's what this team needs right now. And going back to just a couple examples of the lack of self-awareness, you're losing – in the fourth quarter to a team that was picked 14th out of 14. And on one of the rare occasions where you find success on offense and we get a first down, I, our guys are still doing that, like, slime, wipe your nose, point for the first down. Like, quit pounding your chest that you got a first down. We're, we're losing by 10 here in the fourth quarter. You know, like, get your head on right. We make a field goal to cut it to seven points, 20 to 13, and we've got this, like, secret handshake with the, the holder, the kicker, the snapper, and all smiles and laughs. It's like, guys, we're on the doorstep of one and three here. And I mentioned it earlier, like, who is the fire? Who's the spark coming from on the team, not the head coach? Um, I, I mean, like, among the players, who is that coming from? And I don't see it. I see guys that are, like, happy to get a first down while we're about to lose the game and happy to make a field goal to cut it to seven while we're about to lose a game. And there's just no sense of urgency, or sense of self-awareness on like how bad a one and three start is. So that's concerning to me, and I think that all of those examples speak to why they need a shift in the message being communicated to them on a daily basis as they prepare for their next game. Because that's that's the only way out of this. It starts by beating Houston, and then you go from there. Then it'll be beating Baylor. But like everything you talked about preseason is out the window. You're not going to Arlington. This team isn't going to be better than last year's team. It's all gone. You're on like a week-to-week basis now. Can you win the next game in front of you and get to something semi-respectable by the end of the year, like a bowl game?
1: Can you get to a bowl game? That's the question. And that is not where I thought we would be in week four. thought we'd be rolling, strolling, controlling our way to a bowl game, but that is not the case. Uh, I have one more question for you, Co. Do you want to give any final thoughts to your uh, drip rankings? Because Iowa State fans are big bad.
0: Yeah, we're not allowed to uh, put Iowa State on there, are we?
1: Not all black, no.
0: I I was going to say, I thought that was a rule from last year. You were like, we're never putting Iowa State in there if they were all black.
1: No, it's not a school color.
0: Their fans, though, are telling me that it was a school color in 1891, 130 years ago.
1: Yeah, before they ever won a game.
0: I'm like, okay, so it was your school color, so what? It's not today.
1: Also, black and white would be hilarious uh, school colors.
0: I could also design the Iowa State logo in Microsoft Word. Yeah. No hilarious. offense. No offense. <laughs> Rob, do you feel like you mentioned like people tagging Joey Maguire under your tweets? Yeah. Do you feel like I have said anything in this podcast It is like a personal shot or derogatory toward any person, or do you feel like I've kept it to performance evaluation and, like, talking about actual football?
1: Yeah, I think we've talked about actual football today. I don't think we've said anybody's a bum or anything like that, no.
0: Did we call for anybody's job? Not yet, no. (laughs) I think that's another – like. No, we we haven't. One hundred percent. Some fans cross the line and like so and so is a bum, so and so is a dumbass. Fire this person. Don't let him back on the plane. All of that, I think, is probably overboard. Um, but I also think there's a fan that's like overly sensitive to any criticism of the actual game that was played and the state of the program, and they kind of like perceive it as more negative than it really is. But hey, hold us, hold us accountable. If you listen to this, you feel like something was out of pocket or unfair. Let me know. Let Rob know if you think Rob said it. And if I think that you're wrong, you know, we'll hash it out. Because I don't want to do that. I don't want to get here. Everybody's mad that we're one and three. I don't want to get here after a loss and start calling people names. And I don't think that helps anything. Uh, but I do want to speak openly about what I think is good or bad that happened on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Well, and you are one and three. And you can't go to one and three without having some negatives. And this is a podcast and we're going to talk for two hours and there's going to be some negatives on here. So if you don't like negatives, you might want to skip a week after a loss.
0: And Joey said after the first loss, like well before this one and three record piled up, he was like, Hey, I see the fan stuff on social media. I get it. And I agree with most of it. Like, and that's where like some other fans, like of other schools, um, Texas is of course obsessed with us, but other fans have tried to like, hey, your coach should have kept his mouth shut all off season. And I'm like, Yeah, our fans would agree with you at this point. Yeah. Like we don't love in hindsight the Big Twelve Championship talk or the this team would beat the Bowl team by 14 points talk. Like, we agree with you. That set the bar too high. And through four games you didn't deliver on any of that. So, like, you're not gonna get an argument here.
1: Yeah. I just in some ways don't understand why. <laughs> I mean, everything that was said this offseason by us, by you and I, not, not the hype that the coaches put out there, not the Tyler Shucks getting a cigarette break because he's got so much time in the backfield talk from the offensive line coach. Just how old you are and how experienced you are and the returning production you had coming back, I just don't understand one in three. I, I, it just doesn't compute in some ways. But that's where you are. And I don't know if Houston's must win. We'll talk about that on Wednesday, but there were a couple of questions about underperformance based on money and whatever you have absolutely underperformed this season. And I would argue that you're the biggest underperformer in the big 12 so far because Baylor didn't have expectations and you did.
2: Can
0: I add a quick thought on that?
1: Yeah. We're already at two hours, so go ahead.
0: I think Baylor fans for some reason like I kind of get why TCU fans might have been upset at the Texas tech hype among national media because they're like hey we, we just made the playoff we won or we were in the big 12 title game last year yeah we've got a lot to replace but like why are you putting tech above us Baylor and TCUs three and one by the way Baylor is like mad that tech got more hype than Baylor. Baylor's also one in three with worse losses than you have. And they're like trying to dunk on tech for not living up to that. It's like, I mean, were y'all somehow more deserving of it by having a more disappointing season or like a worse season than Texas tech to this point? Why are you, why are y'all complaining about Texas tech being overhyped? Not that you're going to get like an argument that we were adequately hyped or something. Deflection. It's like, why are you upset at that?
1: It's a deflection. Did you see Dave Aranda stuck in the, the Baylor line. Yeah. How does that happen? Why was he not out there with the team? You have to take a dump or something.
0: I don't know. And it's hard to troll them with like the, you hired the wrong guy stuff when you're also one in three, but yeah. like 100% <laughs> sincerely not trolling. You miss Joey now. Well, well so <laughs> one of them was like, they were diagnosing the problem kind of like what I said, that like, there's no spark, there's no fire. And they're like, Hey, that's not Aranda's personality. He's never going to be that guy. So who is that guy? It's like, well, if you need an energizer bunny, like he's on the sideline in Lubbock, and y'all had him, you had the chance to hire him. It's like, I know that they're not probably pining over Joey while Joey's one and three. It's like, I mean, if that's the if that's Aranda's biggest problem is that there's no energy in the program. Like I do know a guy who can solve that problem for you, but yeah. he's here now, and I'm glad he is. Again, I'm I'm all in.
1: On Joey.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Is that it? You to go might as
0: it? Well, we might as well go one more minute so we can say we hit two hours. So do you have any final thoughts?
1: <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, just that I, I think you need a wake-up call. You, you have to have a gut check. You have to reach down and have the intestinal fortitude to say, we suck, how do we get better? And that starts at the top with Joey McGuire. Then it goes to the coordinators and Kitley and Deruder, And then it goes to the seniors and the players beneath them. Um, Everybody needs to look at themselves in the mirror and just be better moving forward because you have some opportunities. The next two games are absolutely winnable games. Houston and Baylor and Waco Those are the next two. Yep. Those are absolutely winnable games. Uh, if you lose to Houston tailspin. So I, I don't think that that can happen. Um, but again, it's, it starts this week in practice. And we'll have to see who's playing quarterback. Honestly, that's another thing I'm thinking about.
0: Not to look ahead. Let's say you win the next two, and you're two and one in Big Twelve play, with wins over two of your in-state and conference rivals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How are you feeling about the season? We'd be three and three at that
1: point. Oh, way better, way better. Um, bowl, bowl opportunities abound. At three, yeah, and three,
0: you're saying like 500 the rest of the way out. We get to a bowl game. Yeah, and say, hey, this was disappointing, but we recuperated. I think you can do it, and you can also do it in a way that delivers a pretty significant blow to Baylor. Because Baylor goes to Orlando this week. They're nine-point underdogs, according to Circa. They're probably not going to win that game. Now, when you get them in Waco, Blake Shapin might be back, and I think he's uh, probably pretty clearly their better quarterback. But did you see their stadium against Texas on Saturday?
1: Bring out the Tarps.
0: If they lose in Orlando to get to one and four – and then a bunch of red shows up in their stadium and they lose to us to get to one and five. Like you think it's rough being a tech fan right now, sitting here on Sunday after a one and three start. Now you have to show up and beat them. Like I'm not, I'm not just assuming any of that with the current state that Texas tech is in, but I've seen fans like kind of give up on this season. Like, I'm not going to Lubbock anymore. I'm selling my tickets. That Waco spot for, a game that might be a two and three versus one and four team. I, I'm i still planning to go and I'm planning to have a lot of fun because that could be like, yeah, not a game with big 12 title implications, nothing like that. But you could strike a pretty serious blow to an in-state rival that has had your number over the last 10 or 12 years. And that would be fun. And so I hope that our fan base that loves to pat itself on the back for how big and crazy and energetic we are, if you live an hour and a half away in either DFW or Austin, uh, show up in Waco and let's throw a knockout punch against Baylor in two weeks. That's my plea. And hey, again. Can't look at that. Saying right. that there's a one hundred Yeah. Not a hundred percent chance that you beat Houston, not a hundred percent chance you beat Baylor. But if you do find yourself there, could be fun. I plan to be there.
1: All right. Kyle will buy you a beer if you go to Waco. That's what you just said.
0: Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. In the stadium.
1: Yeah, in the stadium. Because they don't sell beer.
0: But. I do. I'll do this if we if we beat Houston and we're beating Baylor and like the game is in hand in the fourth quarter, I will intentionally get kicked out of the stadium, and we'll have it recorded for content. <laughs> is that fair?
1: If you. If you beat Houston and in, in the Baylor game is in hand in the fourth quarter, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's pretty easy to get kicked out of Baylor Stadium, so I think we can get that done.
0: I mean, surely I can get a flask in, in my, yeah, in my boots and then whip it out, and they'll they'll throw me out in like two seconds, right?
1: Yeah, Just say a couple of cuss words.
0: <laughs> Gosh darn those Bears! Get that guy out of here. This is a family environment.
1: Yeah. All right. Well past two hours of us. Yeah. You know, my high school coach used to say, you know, 12-minute quarters, 48 minutes. He wanted us to be 49ers. Mm. Don't just play 48 minutes. Play past the whistle. So maybe we need to be 61 minutes of us in the game. Be 49ers. Play through the whistle. You want to be an 18-yarder when you're running 20-yard sprints, Kyle? You want to be 49ers?
0: I'm actually – I don't think we need a different slogan or gimmick. I think we need no slogans, no gimmicks.
1: Just play. Just I think, play football,
0: baby. hey, we play Houston on Saturday. Let's line up and beat them, and let's all work together to figure out how we're going to do that, coaches and players. Let's do it. All right, that's it. Love y'all.